0: This is your host, Dr. Mersima Shabazz. Good morning and welcome to my roundtable. How are you doing? I'm doing well.
1: I love your roundtable discussions and I'm excited to be a part of it.
0: Oh, thank you for agreeing to do this. You and I go way back and I think you want to share a memory?
1: Do I want to share a memory? Sure. I remember first meeting you in California. I had just begun my doctoral program in transpersonal psychology and was quite intimidated actually by the whole concept flying from the East Coast to the West Coast by myself and, you know, various types of transformation to get to the top of this mountain retreat where we started the program. Right. And there were so many people. People, none of whom I knew to start, and I guess through divine intervention, you and I met through a friend, and I ended up moving from Pennsylvania to Connecticut, I think, during my the course of my work in my program, and you happened to live a half an hour from where I moved to, and so we continued our friendship, and it's just been delightful ever since to get to know each other and talk about intellectual things and laugh about girl things and all that good stuff so it's been quite a journey and I'm honored to be your friend and colleague
0: and I am honored as well I'll share a memory that I have on the same along the same lines I think you and daddy and I were flying to Mount California Mount Madonna I think you were referring to there a moment ago and we went to Gilroy just before we checked into our, was it a grad school webinars and stuff, and we did stop by and have uh, garlic fries. Remember, was Gilroy is where they have the garlic festival. So, we oh, were, so we
1: stopped in the town right down at the base of the mountain.
0: Right. And we had beer, I think, and, you know, some garlic fries. Now
1: that you mention it, it's coming back to me. I do remember that. And we had yeah.
0: a good conversation, but we've had a great friendship to now. And, you know, I wanted to applaud you for all the achievements and the books and everything you've created since. So,
1: oh, thank you. Yeah, and you, you done, as well. It's you has been done very journey. well.
0: Thank you. So. In your bio, as I was, you know, reading it, I noticed you mentioned you master catalyst. If someone was reading that, what would they get out of it?
1: You mean, what would they think a master catalyst does?
0: Yes, I mean, so share your thoughts on what you do, and I'll go. Sure. Through.
1: So, gosh, my journey here has been a long one. As mm-hmm. as for most people, I'm in my fifties, so my career has taken lots of twists and turns. And at this point, I work with individuals who are trying to transform or change or expand an aspect of themselves or their lives. And and as so often happens, we often find ourselves either in our own way or blocked by something or another. And over the course of the decades of my research, I have learned that we are so much more powerful than than we realize and that in fact it is the power of our beliefs and our thoughts that are the catalyst for the forward progression of our lives and so for me being a catalyst talking about the catalyst factor which is the science for me that informs my method for transformation is all about empowering individuals and introducing them to the concept of aligning with their beliefs and managing their thoughts in such a way that they are creating an enormous amount of energy to propel themselves in the direction that they want to go into
0: the future. Beautiful. Do you work with women, you know, for the most part, or you have all different groups of people?
1: I work with all different groups of people. Years ago, I started out working, and this is like 30 years ago, I started out working with children and adolescents. And then in my 30s, I shifted to working with adults. And right now, in my 50s, uh, my primary focus is in two areas. One is I work with leaders who are Influential and successful and impactful, and are looking to scale what they're already doing to take it to the next level. And those leaders are both men and women. And I've also just launched a new pro actually, it's going to launch in June a new program for coaches, certified coaches, certified counselors, licensed counselors, and psychologists who are looking for continuing education. And I do, I offer that through teaching them the monarch method. So they experience personal development as well as professional
0: So can you expand on the monarch method? Because I have a note here to ask you about it, you know, that you sure. develop this incredible program. And if you share with business what that is about and how they can take advantage of that if they're interested.
1: Sure. So years ago, as I was in a very traditional counseling practice, I had so many of my clients come to me and say that they were tired of being in the system for so long. They'd been in counseling for years or they'd been on prescription medications to deal with depression and other things for years, or they'd been struggling with the same problem or the same challenge off and on for years. And they really wanted some relief and some independence. And so I set about coming up with a series of exercises and practices to give them to do at home in between our sessions. And it wasn't very long before I realized that it was more than just exercises at home. It really was about discovering that we have blocks that we don't even realize we have. One of the interesting facts in my research that I came across years ago was that over 90% of who we are is subconscious leaving a mere 10% or less of conscious thoughts, feelings, and actions from which to live our lives. So within this huge subconscious terrain, there are many beliefs, many thoughts, many strategies and programs that are running like tapes that we're not even aware are running. And typically they are established in the first 10 years of life. And what happens is when we decide consciously that we have a goal, that we want to choose a certain lifestyle or head a certain direction with our careers or our personal lives, and we just can't seem to get there, usually it's because there is a long outdated program that's running in the background that's subconscious. And so for me, the Monarch Method was about helping people get to what are those outdated beliefs that are running that we don't even realize are running and shifting those so that we can align that with our conscious beliefs. That way you have the 90% subconscious and the 10% conscious working together consciously for the same goal. And it really started changing people's ability to manage their lives and create the success they had long desired. So I named that whole approach the Monarch Method, and for me, Monarch represents the Monarch butterfly, which is all about transformation and energy, and the Monarch lion, which is you know that powerful, grounded leader that is self empowered.
0: So, are you? Um, is this based on transpersonal psychology?
1: So my research is based on a number of different fields. Transpersonal psychology is one of them, epigenetics, neuropsychology, and quantum physics.
0: So you have, and I know you, so, you know, I just want to put it out there that you have a background in all of these things, you know in your research. Well, I took I took the time
1: to research. Yeah, wow. because I wanted to understand um, how we get stuck and how we get unstuck and I needed it for myself before I could use it for anybody else. And for me, my 30s just before I met you in our doctoral program, my 30s was a pivotal point for my own self-discovery and change. And so I wanted to understand why it took so long for me to get there. And how I could do that in a meaningful, swift way for individuals. So right now, the Monarch Method is a six to nine month program, and it empowers people to make those changes independently and keep making them long after they, you know, they've finished it with my programs.
0: So it, it is, is it fair to say that the Monarch Method underscores self-healing, self-understanding, self-transformation?
1: Absolutely. Okay. absolutely. So
0: self-empowerment. Yeah. Self-empowerment. All right. Yeah. Self-love. We'll yeah. put all, all of it in there because, you know, you can't do this work if you can't generate that kind of love right. for self. Right. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I, I really love that. Um, you've also written a lot of books. The latest one is about thriving. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: the, my latest book came out in January, and it's titled The Power to Thrive When Surviving is No Longer Enough. And really, it's just a compilation of the wisdom and the learning and the translational research that I've conducted over, over my life and career. And it's presented in a very simple, readable way for everybody and little snippets for topics so i think there are 40 topics which are like a page to two pages each mm-hmm. on things like leadership power control relationships all of the relevant topics that that we struggle with and look to gain mastery over in our lives so that's available on amazon as an ebook and a paperback
0: okay that's excellent i'm so impressed with all the things you've done since Some of it you did whilst you were in Connecticut, right? But you just kind of flew off the ground since you moved over in Maine. Is it the location or it's just?
1: I think it's a combination of location and just a pivotal point in my own life. You know, there was a lot of change and difficulty and challenge that took place in my 10 years in Connecticut. And coming through that sort of like the phoenix rising from the ashes I had a clarity that I hadn't had in the past and who knows if it's age you know maturity wisdom experience who knows what it is it. but it all seemed to come together yeah
0: it gets into come this.
1: together in the last few
0: years right yeah so talking about yeah
1: we've come a long way Oh, yes. top in California. Yeah, we, haven't we, we?
0: We. <laughs> we've been there. We've been there. We've crossed yeah. a lot of bridges here, and through that, I think we've grown stronger and more authentic in everything that we do. Because in applying those types of principles and Having that understanding, mm. it is easy then to share that information with others that would make it resonate, right? right? Right, right. So it comes from a deep place, and we have to honor that. Now that I work with women mostly, yes. I've worked with men as well, although that is not my target group. The few men I've worked with. Uh, were referred to me by their wives. So it kind of, <laughs> it's almost like they didn't have much of a choice in having, right? It right. right? had to help. But well, after,
1: hopefully they ended up loving it in the end. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think so. I think, yeah, yeah they, they all walked away with something. Gained, wonderful, right? So, yeah. yeah. And you know, there's some fun and humor in what we do. So one of the sure. things, though, I wanted to touch on as women. Is that we face certain challenges in, in lies in our realities, either career or personal, and in relationships as well. What are some challenges that as you work with others, you kind of guide them in a way from some of the landmines minds that are out there, right? Because sometimes people don't see what is in their blind spots and you can right. see it and guide them away. So what will be some of the challenges that you might share with others to give them a sense of? Anyway? Go ahead.
1: Well, I think, gosh, there, it seems to me that ever since 2020 with the global pandemic, with the seeming increase in violence and aggression across the globe and The eruption of the long standing racial inequities and atrocities. And gosh, everything's shifting. And, you know, we have gender issues, we have social issues, race issues. I mean, it it all seems to be changing. And even with all of those external challenges, there for many, many, many centuries, there have been rules established for us by others in just about every culture and every community. I call them expectations. And for me, at least for, for most of my early life, I, my life was geared towards living into the expectations that society had for me, that my race had for me, that my gender had for me, that my parents had for me. I mean, It's it comes from so many directions, (laughs) yeah. And so the challenge really in working with most of my clients is to teach them to discern what of those expectations are aligned with their inner moral code, Mm -hmm. and what of those expectations really they want nothing to do with, and to being able to carve a path in their lives that doesn't throw everything overboard, right? but it's an empowerment and an alignment where they're able to live into the expectations that resonate with them and serve them and let the rest go. So I think, you know, breaking the rules in a way, in a very compassionate, graceful, law-abiding way, well, breaking, loving, right? breaking yes. out of that. Yes.
0: Right. Because, you know, otherwise we get stuck in it's like you, you're trying to elevate your own being to a certain level, but you're constrained by what is happening in the environment. You and I have talked about race. We haven't shied away from it.
1: We have,
0: yeah. <laughs> and we talked about how it impacts our reality right now. In fact, I think mm-hmm. I just published a blog this morning. I read that blog. You did? This
1: morning, yes. Yes, okay. it was quite and powerful.
0: Thank you. And I think we at a place where we deny that there's racial tension or or not accepting what is happening in our reality. Or Mm. there are people who believe that by affiliating with a certain group, then they are more secure Mm. in that, you know, in, in the life choices that they make. My argument is that as humans, we must be aware of everything that affects the other mm. because we are interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes there are people who think that if I am doing well, why should I care about the other person who is not doing so well? But if somebody in our environment is not doing so well, to some extent, we are also not doing so well cause of that interconnection and that it is right. imperative for all, all of us to be aware of what is happening so that we can lift e- each other up. And mm. in lifting each other up, we can then espouse oneness, ascend to a whole new level of being. Okay, here I go. You and I can go on like this for a while. So as we talk about these challenges, what advice can you give to young girls? Especially because you talked about gender.
1: Yes. So So one of the things that you mentioned is being aspiring to being compassionate to others and recognizing the the path that other people travel that may not be your own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think before we can lift each other up and get to that place of oneness, we have to lift ourselves up. And it, again, speaks to those rules and expectations. It is so important for us to begin to teach our young women from birth, really, Mm -hmm. to honor who they are at their core and teach them certainly about their culture, their community, society, their religion, whatever they're involved in. Teach them the values and then empower them to choose and empower them to show up is the unique extraordinary beings that they are rather than hiding some of that extraordinary nature so that they can fit in to the expectations of whatever the situation. And I'm not sure that we as a nation or as a human race, have mastered social structures, educational structures, familial structures that serve to honor the individual. And that's a direction we definitely need to, to start to go in.
0: I agree with that because, you know, when you're, I will talk about one uh, job that I had. I think you know which job I'm talking about here. where Yes, I, I do. I almost felt like I lost myself in in there Mm. and you know there was only a shadow of who I truly am in that space that you know I couldn't be myself at all and every time Mm. some part of me emerged that was like crisis it was a crisis and it it, kind of went on for a while and it if I hadn't separated from that environment I seriously don't think you and I would be talking right now it was that toxic Mm. so I think it's important people recognize some of these things in the environment and how they can change that, right? But it, mm. it, it is important that we do the inner work in order to- The rec- inner
1: work and the collaborative work.
0: Right. Yeah. In order to get to that place. Whilst we're talking about challenges, et cetera, I think Bell Hooks is one of my favorite women. And she has a quote that she talked about all too often Women believe it is a sign of commitment, an expression of love to endure unkindness or cruelty, to forgive and forget. Mm And in actuality, when we love rightly, we know that the healthy, loving response to cruelty and abuse is putting ourselves out of harm's way, right? Mm -hmm. So, harm's way being either in a relationship or even in our careers, and even in church, wherever we may be that does not honor who we are, right? We do right. Can't share some thoughts on that. Any thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: I think that there have been some very specific gender, I'll say gender-specific values set for us, not only in our lifetime, you and I, but certainly in many, many previous lifetimes and generations. And I think when you enforce and pay tribute to a value that doesn't align with the individual uniqueness and expression, but that only aligns with the so-called value that was established by someone somewhere sometime then you, we lose our individuality. We lose an aspect of our extraordinary nature by trying to live into someone else's values right. and someone else's standards and expectations. And certainly there's a balance in that because it's not all about us. And living from the ego and the head is not the place to live either. But our egos exist and our brains exist and fear exists. And I think one of the biggest tasks is to learn to step out from behind those things, ego and fear, and into our hearts and faith and trust so that we can empower ourselves to choose in what way do I want to honor myself? And in what ways do I want to honor my culture, my community, my society, my family, And to strive to create that balance so that we don't become sanitized and invisible as we reach, as we come into adulthood and live through adulthood.
0: It is. How does one do that? Simply, right? Because a lot of people are in this bubble and don't know they are in that bubble. Mm. Or they are there and trying to find a way out of that bubble. What would be one suggestion that could to get them to recognize this because ignorance this is bliss but to some extent
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's it well are we really ever ignorant though i mean when i think of ignorant i think of the something that we claim we don't know and in my studies of energy and and everything is energy human beings thoughts feelings plants nature animals Buildings, everything is energy. And it, as you mentioned earlier, we're all interconnected through that energy. And so, if you think about it, really everything is already known. So, when we claim ignorance or claim not knowing, I think that speaks to the fear showing up to protect ourselves in many ways and how to get out of. Living from behind the lens of fear and stepping into living from the lens of trust and faith, I would say a first step is to pay attention to what, to something, to some small thing that resonates within you that it doesn't already exist in your world. And when you identify that thing, perhaps it's relationship freedom or job freedom or the way you dress or your hair or the language you use, whatever small thing that is, find someone out in the world who shares that and can guide you forward in exploring that and discovering that and living into that in small ways. And in the beginning, it may be something that you just think about that it's even too big and scary to do anything about. Right. And at the same time, there are other people out there that are thinking and feeling the same things. And it's important for us to rely on each other, especially when it comes to women's issues, for women to connect with one another and support one another in that self-discovery and in doing it in our own unique way. Not, it's not a race to the finish. It's not about who can show up bigger and more visible. It's not even about speaking up unless it's something that you're comfortable with and that you feel
0: safe in doing so. That's true. So in other words, once somebody recognizes it as everything is energy within us, we know deep down that something is, you know, almost tapping at the door for us to wake. Exactly. Up, right? The
1: whispers, I call but them the that, whispers of
0: the heart. Exactly. Yeah. And once we hear those knocks, we should open the door and see what's on the other side.
1: A little bit anyway. I mean, it might be scary to open the door wide, because remember, one of the things I learned as you speak of this is in my 20s, my first career was working in the juvenile justice prison system. And most of these kids that I worked with were either in residential treatment or in, in jail, prison. And the goal was to teach them how to behave appropriately, think appropriately, and feel appropriately based on who knows whose standard it was. But there were things set forth, this is how you act, this is how you think, this is how you feel, and then put them back into their environment and expect them to thrive or even survive. And very honestly, they couldn't because as children, they, developed methods for coping with their circumstances the best way they knew how. Sometimes that looked to other people to be not such a good way to live your life, not such a good way to act or think or talk, but nonetheless, it was their way. It was what they knew. It was how they coped with their immediate circumstances. And so to take someone out of that and tell them, hey, this is the best way to do life, and ask them to completely change and then put them back in their old circumstances is frankly dangerous
0: it's almost obstructive in a way because you're not helping them really right helping them short term what you think you're helping them and you know once again we don't allow people to express their creativity in their own ways and once your creativity becomes muzzled it's very difficult to really live because you know you're
1: surviving, but you're not thriving by any means. Exactly. And so opening the door wide made me think of that. Cause I think if someone has developed a coping mechanism, whether, whether the world thinks it's a healthy one or not, it's how they're coping. Right. And to throw that door wide open means completely changing in very brief period of time. And I'm not sure that that's beneficial. I think change needs to come from within, from inside out. It needs to be incremental baby steps, I call it. And that doesn't mean those baby steps take years. I mean, it could be <laughs> a matter of days. It depends on what your timeframe is, right? But it has to be that individual's time frame. It has to be in circumstances where that individual feels safe mentally, emotionally, and physically. And it has to be carved out in such a way that they feel trusting And powerful as opposed to fearful and mistrustful.
0: Right. So one of the things I always get back to is who someone picks as a teacher or as a guide or Mm. um, a spiritual teacher, I would say, or a a counselor, right? Because there has to be resonance in the relationship in order for it to work. So for example, if I were to go to my doctor's office and I've had this experience once, there was a doctor my primary care referred me to. And by the end of that few minutes I spent with her, I was like, "Uh, no, something about her that made me feel like I'm not going to be well in this relationship. Mm. And I had to listen to that. Right. So I always encourage people to also be aware that if you are picking someone to help you open that door a little wider, a little, you know, for you to be able to step into it in in a future time, as you express within their own comfort and time, the person they are working with has to be able to give them that peace of mind, that inner peace, and be able to know that they are safe, you know, enough to take the steps that they need to take. Right. Okay.
1: And even to recognize, you know, to sort of challenge that a little bit, recognizing that just about everybody who comes into our lives are teachers. And there may be teachers we do not like and and the experience is very unpleasant and there may be teachers that we love and there's something to be gained from all of it and as we grow even from you know childhood into teenhood to be able to be to feel empowered enough to make choices and changes as desired. As children, we're limited because we cannot live on our own in the world. And even as teens, in many cases, we're dependent on our families. And and sadly, that often means we are trapped, if you will, in, in dreadful circumstances. As adults, we need to begin to support each other to live lives of freedom and thriving across the globe so that we don't so that people can can live their lives and and i recognize that the privilege i have is something that in part i was born with and that and i'm very cautious not to try to invalidate the experiences of people who weren't born in my circumstances and privilege and at the same time wanting to still empower people to do what they can and to feel good about who they are and hopeful about their futures
0: i agree there's always a way right there's always a way and if one desires it there's a you know it it doesn't mean it's going to be easy nothing's you know sometimes we go through challenges for a reason i one thing that i almost equate to challenges is getting the stepping stones Mm -hmm. to lift ourselves up into something else yeah Now, I can't talk to you and let you go without asking you about grace in small packages. You know, it's one of my favorite things. Every time I think of you, that's what comes up. I'm reminded of that. You want to share with others what that is?
1: Well, sure. Gosh, (laughs) this was before I even understood grace as I do now. Gosh, this was probably 15 years ago, and I was finishing up my doctoral program in California, and getting ready to do my dissertation. And my dissertation at the time was about the spiritual nature of children. And I ended up titling my dissertation, Grace in Small Packages, The Spiritual Nature of Children. So I guess grace has just been one of those words that has shown up for me over the years, and I use it much more frequently now. So for me, grace, grace represents generosity of spirit, respect for self and others, authenticity, consciousness, and empathy. So it's not religious for me per se. I'm not necessarily a religious person. I would describe myself as more of a spiritual person. And grace for me is that human decency, human compassion, human love and understanding.
0: That's beautiful. It's one of my favorite things, especially when you bring it out through children, right? Because mm. They're just so loving and pure, as pure as you get. So yeah. that is really beautiful. In, in my culture and traditions, we talk about grace a lot. And from the moment we wake up to sunset or before you go to bed, So if you imagine that let's say 15 million people are referring to grace in every conversation, mm-hmm. right? From you know, somebody asking you, how are you? And to, you respond by saying, by grace, I am well, right? Mm -hmm. And if the person expresses some discomfort, you would respond by saying, by grace, you will be well. And so through that, and by grace, you receive all that you need. And by grace, you know, in fact, there are times we don't even finish the sentence. You just Mm -hmm. say grace, so every, it's almost like a response to everything mm-hmm. is grace. And that grace comes to everyone equally, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have access to it. So I think it's a powerful thing to add to the conversation from children on up yeah. to yeah. recognize grace. So as we, we have a few minutes left, and I want to also ask you, what are your thoughts? I mean, I invited you onto a forum that says, Women of power and grace. What are your thoughts on that? What you, who is a woman of power and grace to you?
1: Oh, gosh, there have been a handful, I would have to say. Who is a woman of power and grace? I don't even think I want to say a name.
0: It doesn't have to be, it can be the attributes of a woman. Yeah,
1: only power. because yeah. I think that there are so many.
0: And, 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 I, and you don't want to offend <laughs> And each of that. us,
1: really, every we single woman has within them power and grace. Mm-hmm. And just because someone shows up more often or is considered a celebrity or a leader or an icon doesn't mean that their power and grace is any greater than each woman's power and grace. And I think going back to why I chose the Monarch Method, for me, the lion is power and the butterfly is grace. And that's that dual nature of who we are, physical and energy, mind and spirit, heart and head. I mean, there are aspects, there are dual aspects of our nature that can be identified in so many different ways. And so power and grace is a perfect balance of that heart energy, that soul and wisdom of who a woman is. And then the power is the grounded, sort of sovereign nature of who we are as individuals. And honoring both of those and and the balance of both of those is is essential.
0: Actually, that's really beautiful. You know, what I love about this conversation is that when we talk about women of power and grace, everyone comes out with these beautiful descriptions and mm-hmm. attributes of women in our experience that I think is just lovely it's just yeah. absolutely loving so do you have any questions for me or
1: yes my this so this platform this this video women of power and grace these discussions is fairly new for you what inspired you to do this
0: oh my goodness <laughs> I want to give credit to Prima, that someone I'm working with right now, and we've had discussions about where I take my practice, et cetera, and mm-hmm. you know I'm about women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. And so as I did my group work, and with COVID, you know, we have to shift gears to doing mm. something new, et cetera, I think one of the things I do there was connect with people and really have a hearty conversation Mm. about what is going on in our lives and how we can support one another and uplift each other up, right? Right. I love doing that. And, you know, I think from my last place to what I'm doing now, I stopped doing that so much. Mm. And now I think, okay, you know, getting back to who I am, really.
1: Well, I'm glad you're back. Thank
0: you, Thank you. thank you. I think I'm back and I'm enjoying this tremendously. You can tell from my uh, personal energy, you know, I feel like so deeply and I'm really grateful for the connections that I have and I've made over the years. And it's a diverse group of people, diverse, brilliant, loving women that I know that I want to share this space with. Right. So I think it's really beautiful.
1: Well, thank you. I'm honored to be part of this space with you.
0: Um, and I'm really honored that we could do this, and for agreeing to have this conversation with me. You know I love you very much, so. <laughs> yes,
1: and I love you too. Thanks, Mansaman.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.